Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. The Scalpel with Dr. Keith Rose. Cutting down to the truth through history and experience. Subscribe to The Scalpel wherever you listen to podcasts. Follow us on Instagram at The Scalpel Podcast. On Twitter at The Scalpel Edge. Email KFR at ScalpelEdge.com or the website ScalpelEdge.com. The next episode of The Scalpel starts now. Welcome to The Scalpel. This is Dr. Keith Rose. I have been doing a lot of reading on Winston Churchill lately. The reason I'm doing this is it's obvious I enjoy history, but more importantly, I want to understand the mind of a man who was a leader in very desperate, difficult times. And I found an essay Churchill wrote back in 1924, and the essay was before the Great Depression. The essay was before the Second World War, and it was titled, Shall We All Commit Suicide? And Churchill talks about the story of the human race has always been at conflict or war. He talks about man's propensity to slaughter his fellow man, but has only been saved in the past by his incompetence. Churchill stated the means of destruction at man's disposal did not keep pace with his ferocity, meaning man's ability to kill his fellow man even though he had that internally, he had that craving desire, it didn't keep pace with the actual ability to do that on a mass scale. He said in past, reciprocal extermination was impossible because man had crude conventional weapons. You couldn't destroy an entire world or nation with clubs. You couldn't even destroy them with flintlocks or conventional weapons. But as civilization progressed, man used technology like transportation, the ability to communicate over great distances, to build large armies. However, those large armies, even in the early 1920s, were still liable to violent internal disagreements and were not able to do their worst because governments were not sufficiently secure due to defective organization, internal disagreements, and logistic challenges that still kept the balance on the credit side of life. But now, in the 20th century, 
or as they entered the 20th century, man had gained the competence to destroy himself. Men are now organized into great states and empires, Churchill wrote. Science and organization are a symphony, this is me, that brings prosperity and blessings. However, the factors of production are also the factors of destruction. Depending on the morals and virtues of whoever whoever is conducting that symphony. And as we now know, Democrat institutions give expression to the willpower of millions. The expression or, quote, tone, and listen to this, is carried by education, the press, religion, and those are the mechanisms that supply the encouragement, the message, or as we commonly refer to it, the narrative. And above all, science has unfolded her treasures and her secrets to the desperate demands of men and placed in their hands the capacity and the ability to exert tremendous, decisive gain or successes or discoveries. Or, on the other side of that coin, science and her treasures have given man the capacity for great destruction. And the only way to differentiate between using science or, or the, to control, I should say is a better word, between using science for great gain or great destruction, the only way that can be modulated is through a person's character and virtue. Churchill summarized this point in one of the most dismal passages he ever wrote. And I want you to listen to this. Mankind has never been in this position before without having improved appreciably in virtue or enjoying wiser guidance. It has got into its hands for the first time the tools by which it can unfailingly accomplish its own extermination. That is the point in human destinies to which all the glories and toils of men have last led them. They would do well to pause and to ponder upon these new responsibilities. Death stands attention, obedient, expectant, ready to serve, ready to shear away the peoples in mass, ready, if called on, to pulverize without hope of repair. It awaits only the word of command. He awaits it from a frail, bewildered being, long his victim. Now, for one occasion only, his master. See, prior to the 19th century, or the 20th century, excuse me, man was the victim of death. But as we entered the 20th century in the 1900s, and as we enter the 21st century, science has progressed at such a rate that man is not a victim of death now, but can be its master. And that's not a good place to be. It's not a good place to be if those that are in leadership, those that are in power, those that are wielding great scientific discovery are void 
of character and morality. An article written in the Desert Review talks about for the right to try. Now, as a physician, when I read this article, it turned my stomach because it talked about a Fairfield Township man with COVID-19. And I believe this is up in, let me see here, Ohio. It says a Fairfield Township man with COVID-19 whose wife sued to force Westchester Hospital to treat him with ivermectin has died, according to his attorney. This gentleman by the name of Jeffrey Smith was diagnosed with COVID-19 in July, and he was in the intensive care unit at Westchester Hospital. And according to a news report published October 4th, Jeffrey Smith tested positive for COVID-19. July 9th was admitted to the hospital and then the intensive care on the 15th of July. He was put on the hospital's COVID-19 protocol of the antiviral drug Redemsevir, which is super expensive, with plasma and steroids. And on July 27th, after a period of relative stability, Mr. Smith's condition declined. And he was sedated and intubated on August 1st. Now, Mr. Smith is 51 years old. He's younger than I am. And he was placed in a medically induced coma on August 20th. According to the affidavit, his wife filed in her lawsuit. But this is where it gets interesting. Or I should say, this is where it becomes tragic. Because in August, Judge Gregory Howard ordered the hospital because of this wife's lawsuit, to honor the family's request to treat the patient with ivermectin. Judge Howard approved Dr. Fred Wegelschul's prescription of ivermectin, 30 milligrams daily for three weeks. Dr. Wegelschul is a renowned pulmonary specialist who reports having treated over 2,000 patients with ivermectin with, listen to this, 100% success. Now, I can tell you, as a physician, I have the same success rate treating patients with ivermectin, and so do the doctors that work for me. Dr. Wagelschul's credentials are above reproach. He He heads up the Lung Center of America in Dayton, Ohio. And in addition, he is a founding member of the world renowned Frontline COVID 19 Critical Care Alliance, which is a nonprofit group that does good work of highly published physicians dedicated to saving lives. And by God's grace, Judge Howard, and Judge Howard, I'm sorry, Jeffrey Smith won the court order receiving life-saving ivermectin, for which attorney Ralph Ligorio and his team had fought at the wife's request, had pleaded for it at the wife's request. And it appeared Jeffrey Smith would be another in a long string of Ligorio's cases that received court-ordered ivermectin and went on to enjoy a full recovery. Because Ligorio, his attorney, Ligorio's ICU cases who win court-ordered ivermectin had more than a 90% recovery rate, unlike their chances with standard care, which was below 50%. And in this case, because it had gone on so long, it was most likely less than 30% survival. So as it went, the judge ordered ivermectin for Mr. Smith. Yet that wasn't the end of the story. 
because another judge came in behind Mr. Smith, came in behind after Mr. Smith had turned the corner and was getting better. Because over the 13 days, Mr. Smith faithfully got the ivermectin and he began to improve. And it looked like Dr. Wegelschul had worked another miracle like Ralph Lagoria, the attorney. But soon after that, the unthinkable occurred. Because a new judge came in and ordered ivermectin stopped against the wishes of his family and his physician. And when they stopped the ivermectin... Soon after that, Jeffrey Smith died. Judge Michael Ulster reversed the ruling before Smith could receive the entire three weeks of his court-ordered treatment. And as a result, he only received 13 of the 21 doses. And as they were getting ready to wean Mr. Smith off the ventilator because he was getting better, they stopped the ivermectin court-ordered. And he took a turn in the wrong direction. Dr. Wagelschul, who's prescribed this ivermectin, commented, I will never understand why any hospital would refuse to try this drug on a patient that had zero to lose. But let me enlighten you why this happened. Why ivermectin was stopped on this gentleman and let me tell you just a touch real quick about ivermectin because ivermectin has been shown in countless studies to save people's lives that have COVID-19. I mean, how can you explain the remarkable drop of more than 99% of COVID-19 cases in utter British India following the massive ivermectin home kit use campaign? This city, I believe, of millions of people had a massive ivermectin home kit use campaign and it literally eradicated COVID-19. Yet you don't hear this coming from the mainstream media. And how do you explain 65 studies involving 47,000 patients worldwide that show the remarkable ability of ivermectin to prevent death in COVID-19 patients? Why would a judge come in and reverse it? Well, maybe the judge came in and reversed it. Maybe I can explain to you why a high-powered legal team would fight a dying 51-year-old man and his tearful wife. Because Westchester Hospital, where this man was being treated, is proudly affiliated with the UC Cincinnati Health, the University of Cincinnati Health. And they are in turn heavily funded by the NIH. They're part of the Active 2 program. And according to a referenced article, Active 2 is sponsored by the National Institute of Allergy and Infectious Disease. The NIH also funds them. So you have Dr. Fauci's organization, the National Institute of Health, which provides a lot of the funds for this hospital. And this hospital paid a high-powered legal team to fight the adequate treatment of a man that resulted in his death, and that is immoral. We have the science to save 
We have the technology to save. Yet because of the media, because of greed, because of lack of virtue and no character, this man is dead. Now, you're not going to hear the media talk about it. In fact, the gentleman that wrote this article had to do it under a pseudonym for fear of retaliation against his medical license. And the University of Cincinnati holds great sway over Butler County where this man was treated to the tune of hundreds of millions of dollars. And in 2020 alone, the Office of Research at the University of Cincinnati got $273 million in funding from the vast majority coming from the federal government. And more than $250 million came from federal sources like the NIH. So at the end of the day, the bottom line is we had the technology and the medical discoveries to heal a man and to send him back to his wife. Yet using the advances in science weren't, option, weren't an option at this time because of the lack of character and virtue. The specific lack of character and virtue that Winston Churchill talked about a mere hundred years ago. That's what's happening. We have great advances in science. We have great abilities. Yet if we do not use those abilities with virtue and they're not used by a moral people, then you could take, I don't know, say the development of treatments for a disease and use those same labs that develop treatments to do something, I don't know, maybe gain-of-function testing, where they take a disease and modify it to make a worse disease so they can, quote, develop a treatment just in case that ever happens. But once that disease is created, like COVID-19 in the Wuhan lab, it is released upon a populace by, I believe, unscrupulous people And death follows. Hundreds of thousands of people have died. Let me be blunt, that shouldn't have died. They shouldn't have died because of the gain-of-function testing. But even with the gain-of-function testing and the release of this disease, they shouldn't have died because there are medications that can treat it. I know this firsthand. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm gonna make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you wanna get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of The Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play The Godfather now at ChompaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. VGW Group, no purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered ChompaCasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. <laughs> The Chumba Life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.
but they weren't used. They weren't used because there are a lot of left-wing advocacy groups tied into our federal government, a lot of federally funded organizations like the NIH, the CDC, the National Institute for Allergy and Infectious Disease, that are all tied into the same central heartbeat, central government that is unmoored from morality and virtue. You don't have to look far to see how it's playing out again. The media and the politicians right now are in an uproar over the latest department, Labor Department monthly job openings and labor turnover survey that showed a record 4.3 million people quit their jobs in August. And analysts are pinning the job quitting epidemic on the COVID-19 pandemic. Now, we know that's not true, but that's what the, quote, analysts are saying. They say that workers are running out of their jobs screaming because of the increased COVID infections, the Delta variant, and the fear of possible infection. And these very intelligent Ivy League grads analyzing the figures could very well be, you know, just a little bit off the mark. Consider that the Biden administration has been jackbooting businesses to invoke vaccine mandates for months. And while COVID may be the cause for quitting, I'm going to tell you right now, I think mandates are the major reason. In March, Biden's press secretary, Jen Psaki, told reporters that Biden administration is working on, quote, guidelines for the nation. But a determination or development of a vaccine passport or whatever you want to call it will be driven by, quote, Listen to this, the private sector. And I would add that same private sector that fought for the death of Mr. Smith. But most likely because they were under the financial auspice and influence of the federal government. And in April, Saki said, as these tools are being considered by the private and nonprofit sectors, and when you hear nonprofit from this administration just realized the nonprofit sectors are just related straight back to them and controlled by our main government because these nonprofit sectors are funded by our federal government. And Saki went on to say, our interest is very simple from the federal government, which is Americans' privacy and rights should be protected. And she says that out of one side of her mouth while Peppermint Patty knows that they will put maximum pressure on private businesses to enforce the mandates that they know have they they know they have no constitutional right to enforce but forcing people to take a drug against their will violates both privacy and civil rights but again peppermint patty or jinsaki doesn't care and then on July 6 Biden said in one of his few cognizant moments the government should go door to door literally knocking on doors to get help to the remaining people not protected from the virus. The pressure of this narrative continued daily through the government and the media. And in this past September, Biden said, listen to this. He said he was losing patience with the unvaccinated, which I will just tell you he's losing his mind because he doesn't know where he is. But then Biden laid out a vaccine mandate for government employees and contractors and a plan to find businesses through OSHA, 700,000 per incident for unvaccinated workers. Although this has never appeared in the Federal Register yet and hasn't been codified, they're still talking about it. And companies like that hospital that are tied to our federal government are going all in 
with the mandates. And this is a classic socialist soft tyranny as defined by Alexis de Tocqueville in his book, Democracy in America, Volume 2. He wrote this in 1840, and he said, Such a power does not destroy, but it prevents existence. It does not tyrannize, but it compresses, innervates, extinguishes, and stupefies a people till each is reduced to nothing better than a flock of timid and industrial, industrious animals of which the government is the shepherd. And the ongoing constant pressure of being forced to take a drug or lose your job, your livelihood may have driven millions to just, I don't know, leave their jobs and to try and find work without a mandate. And that's no surprise here. We just saw the other day, additionally, vaccine mandates will cause a massive disruption of the economy. Says Joshua Yoder, founder of U.S. Freedom Flyers and an American Airlines pilot. He told Fox News, if you have flights reduced by 30% because 30% of the pilots are fired because they won't take the vaccine, this is going to affect how your goods get here from overseas, how they are distributed to the store, and how people will get their basic necessities. And frontline workers, once called heroes, do you remember that just a year ago? They were heroes for being on the job. When COVID-19 first came out, these same heroes are now reduced to zeros and under attack for refusing to take an experimental vaccine, which the same frontline workers have seen the untoward results from many vaccinated people, and they just don't want to take it. And it's their constitutional right, you know, their body, their choice, or at least that used to be the mantra of the left. And nurses in New York have been fired and 40% of the Seattle police force may be fired due to the vaccine mandate. This is what's happening in our nation. This is where science has led us. And I believe science is necessary, but also science is a master. And as the human ability to make great discoveries grows, the human ability to control the engines by which we make it diminishes. Rapid advances in science without a concommitment increase in wisdom and virtue only pays the way for mankind to progress to his destruction. And listen to this. Only the virtue of wisdom or wise guidance stands in the way of man's elimination of himself. And I believe that's why our founders talked about our Constitution being only for a just and moral society. Because the thrill of victory and the agony of defeat now has been replaced by the stimulation of feelings that are not tied to achievement or outcome. Feelings for feelings sake without consequence or truth. And now we have great discoveries Great advances in science, medical science, and advances in communications 
telecommunications, satellite, and on the military side and the military-industrial complex, all these great advances without a concomitant increase in virtue, wisdom, and understanding. And wisdom is just the proper application of knowledge. If you don't have that, you're setting yourself up for your own destruction. Modern generals right now are entirely divorced from the heroic aspects of war. Commanders, chief executive officers, today's leaders don't rise due to their prowess on the battlefield or their experience. Because these battlefield commanders and these folks that are rising in these big corporations, they didn't work their way up from the bottom. These battlefield commanders aren't making decisions. These generals are not on the battlefield making the decisions like back in World War II where they can see the direct effects of what they do. Because of the great advances in science, these generals can sit back and look at a sterile screen or television screen and they can watch things take place but they're not seeing the actual carnage and feeling what these men feel on the field of battle it's the same way with ceos they rise due to their political maneuverings a lot of them and a lot of them are making money without producing anything. They're just climbing over each other to get to the top. And just like the military, they're developing at their desk where their decisions have no feedback to them, no feedback loop to them physically or their career. They're just the politically malleable folks where they are managing their career ambitions and not mission-driven. And so while we have great advances in science, we're not having great advances in leadership because these people, these generals, these CEOs, they are the mission and the position is just a means to get to the next level. The mission is not what they should be accomplishing, but the mission is their career. Just look at these career generals. Look at Mark Milley. Look at Austin. Look at these guys that were passed over twice for promotion, that were non-promotable, that suddenly got a promotion. It wasn't based on their success in the mission. It was based on their success for their personal mission to get to the next level. And I hope I'm not losing you here. Because generals, bureaucrats, doctors, lawyers, CEOs are protected, therefore divorced from the raw outcome and facts as they manage perception with, quote, the latest science and avoid or shift responsibility using great achievements to cultivate, to promote themselves when they are void of virtue and character. And when you have a mainstream media that will not call out the actions of unscrupulous hospitals that are denying life-saving treatment, when you have a mainstream media and, quote, the science that are backed by a government, receiving money from a government, and not treating Americans that should be treated and healed and they're using the great technology of mass communication to hide it because there's no consequence 
of what they've done. And so when you do this, you have success that is redefined around a narrative and only those on the ground like Mr. Smith and his wife feel the actual effects of truth. But the people on the ground, the everyday man, we have no ability to influence or feedback to the process that is currently governing us. And without consequence of decision and without this direct feedback of action, a nation suffers along the lines of their leader's character. And when the leaders develop without character and virtue, a nation crumbles to the point that they commit self-suicide. That is, unless new leaders are born from the ashes of controversy and the renewed birth pains of freedom. I don't believe we'll suicide ourselves as a nation because I believe new leaders will rise. They will come from the folks that are feeling the effects of these unvirtuous leaders using science to destroy our nation. And in dark times, people look for hope and salvation. Many turn to the one truth that has withstood the test of time. They turn to Jesus Christ. They pray They repent and they receive God's amazing grace. And just like a hundred years ago, when Churchill wrote and spoke about the potential suicide of a nation, thousands of years ago, Jeremiah wrote in chapter 5, verses 30 and 31, an astonishing and horrible thing has been committed in the land. The prophets false the prophets prophesy falsely, and the priests rule by their own power, and my people love to have it so. But what will you do in the end? What they were seeing two thousand plus years ago were a people that were committing atrocities led by leaders that lied to them and ruled by their own power. And the people loved it because they were being told what they wanted to hear and they were being ruled by their feelings. And the prophet Jeremiah said, well, what will God do in the end? Because God tells us that an astonishing and horrible thing had been committed in the land and that the people had not even lamented nor recognized the nature that had befallen them. Today, prophets indeed prophesy falsely. We call them government leaders. And many leaders in our family rule, and many leaders in this government develop narratives according to their own vision and self-determination instead of seeking the face of God, which is what our founders did. And furthermore, right now, the people love it. Or at least they say they do, but I believe the people are waking up. Because I think people now are considering how they will stand in the end when calamity strikes and that what is going on right now is bigger than ourself. And when you recognize that a nation, you can prevent your own suicide. Let me encourage you. The real key to the Christian's message is the remissionary aspect of Christ's life. 
not as kindness, his goodness, nor even the revealing of fatherhood of God to us. It is repentance and remission of sins that we should be talking about to everyone in our city, state, and nation, and all nations. And the greatest message of limitless importance is that he himself, Christ, paid for our sins. So this message isn't nationalistic, favoring nations or individuals. It's for the whole world. And when the Holy Spirit comes to me, he doesn't consider my partialities or preferences. He simply brings me into oneness with my Lord and Savior, Jesus. At the end of the day, we're not to preach the doing of good things. Good deeds are not to be preached. They're to be performed, and we need to be performing these good deeds today. We need to get out and make our voices heard peacefully, but with great determination. We need to get out and stand so that science in the hands of unscrupulous men don't destroy a nation that was founded on biblical principles. And all we have to do is look to the past to protect our future. Go out and have a great rest of the day. Think about what I said today. I promise you it'll help us keep freedom rolling. Your secret's safe with the NSA In God we trust or the CIA Standing on the edge of a revolution The Scalpel with Dr. Keith Rose Give us a five-star rating on Apple Podcasts and subscribe to The Scalpel wherever you listen to podcasts. Follow us on Instagram at The Scalpel Podcast, on Twitter at The Scalpel Edge, email kfr at scalpeledge.com or the website scalpeledge.com.